what will your future look like? The job you do today could be different than the jobs of tomorrow. Some see this as a challenge. At UCF, we see opportunity. A chance for you to grow your knowledge and strengthen your skills from anywhere life might take you. With in-demand degree programs and resources for your success, UCF Online can help you prepare for the future and all the possibilities that come with it. From the University of Central Florida's Center for Distributed Learning, I'm Kelvin Thompson. And I'm Tom Cavanaugh. And you are listening to TopCast, the teaching online podcast. Hey, Tom. Hey, Kelvin. How's it going? It's going well. It's not, it's not storming today. It's sunny outside. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. We usually start with the weather. <laughs> That's right. Traffic <laughs> on the nines. That's right. <laughs> Uh, but the weather is lovely here, although it yeah. is, you know, it's late July in um, in uh, Central Florida. So it only gets worse. It's pretty. You could swim to your car in in very warm water, but that's okay. That's yeah. what we signed up for. Yeah, I guess so. You know, uh, it occurs to me we haven't said this out loud uh, in a Topcast episode for a while. If um, folks joined us along the way and weren't sure what they were listening to, we can help them out at this point by saying we do bill this show as a collegial conversation about online teaching and learning conducted over a shared cup of coffee. That's that's the shtick we've been aiming for. If you thought it was something else, thanks for sticking around anyway. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. And, and nothing's better on a 94 degree, 98 percent humidity day in Central Florida than a hot cup of coffee. Yeah, nothing's better than that. That's right. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. What, what is in the thermos today, Dr. Thompson? What am I? What am I drinking? Well, uh, let me preface this by saying a lot of the coffee that I've brought in during the past year, more than a year now, has been purchased online from craft coffee roasters all across the U.S., but today's coffee is a single-origin Colombia from a local shop called San Julian's Hills Coffee, and uh, this shop, you might remember, was mentioned in a prior episode, but this this Colombia is different from the previous Colombia. There was a bit of serendipity involved in my acquiring this coffee because my family was out on an errand at a storefront nearby when they saw this coffee shop. And hey, they know me, right? So they popped in, they liked what they saw, they talked to the manager and ended up buying this bag of coffee from which we are drinking right now. So how's the coffee? And could you find a connection to today's episode? Um, I like the coffee. Thank you, Thompson family. Mm -hmm. It's good. Um, Connection. Mm. Connection. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Thank you, Thompson family. (laughs) Yes, right. Maybe you're the connection, Kelvin. <laughs> did, uh, did you notice that I used to say, how was the connection to today's episode? And along the way, I've started saying, could you find a connection to today's episode? <laughs> yeah, well, I've also stopped being critical because it's a lot of you know, mental gymnastics sometimes for you to try to connect the coffee that you want to bring in with the, whatever we're talking about today. So yeah, well, I don't know. I think I may need, I may need a little uh, map to help me through all right. this. All right. Here's my, um, here, here's my, here's my nav aid here. So uh, I was thinking, well, uh, I've been doing online coffee buying and this was 
local brick and mortar coffee buying. Okay. And there was some serendipity involved, serendipity of the immediate in-person context. So I thought, you know, that is somewhat in the neighborhood of what we're going to talk about today, maybe. Okay. All right. I think I got it now. So, you know, you're you're basically talking about a hybrid buying experience in many ways. Yeah, so sometimes yeah, yeah. you're typically buying online from from coffee shops, and this was an in-person coffee shop experience. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Serendipity I may need a little help with, but that's okay. Mm -hmm. um, so, so I get the connection, I think. So today, mm -hmm. we're going to be talking um, about a topic that really seems to be on everybody's minds. Uh, I know it's been on mine and a lot of mm -hmm. folks here, but I, I have learned recently that I'm not alone. <laughs> there are That's a good. lot of people in a position like mine that are just really grappling with this idea of remote work. Um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, you know, you and I have talked a lot about this, this concept of remoteness over the mm -hmm. past year and a half plus in the, um, in the context of the pandemic and in mm -hmm, instruction. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. So remoteness, being in person. Um, but now it's expanded into the the work context of, right. of how we do the work that accomplishes all of this online and, and blended learning that, that we built. Because in the past, we've typically always been a face-to-face -face environment. Mm -hmm. At least mm -hmm. most schools have been yeah. very traditional. And now we're being forced to be maybe not so traditional. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, if for anybody keeping score at home, we touched on this topic previously back in TopCast episode 85, Blended is the Future, and it's not just courses. And in that episode, we noted, quote, it is difficult to imagine that 100% of employees will return to their campus workplaces 100% of the time post-pandemic. Uh, and that's still true, right? Uh, there are uh, as you say, a range of options that institutions generally and online learning teams specifically have at their disposal as we emerge from a year plus of emergency ad hoc remote instruction and remote work and so forth. But recently, this idea seems to be coming up all over the place. It's not just, it's not just you, you're right. Perhaps we've all seen the general news articles reporting on business sectors in which employees are resigning rather than returning 100%. The great the resignation is what they're calling it. Yeah, it's it's wild, right? Mm -hmm. uh, within higher ed, there have been articles in Inside Higher Ed, The Chronicle, and other outlets addressing remote work post-pandemic in the higher ed context. And we'll put some of those in the show notes. And Tom, you recently participated in an UPSIA Conversations with Colleagues panel on this topic, which... Uh, We'll talk about more probably in, in just a moment or so. Yeah, yeah. So maybe I'll save some of the details for that. But that that was one of the recent places where I sort of felt not so much on an island and grappling mm -hmm. with some of these these topics around the return to campus. Um, and I've been chastised appropriately for, you know, slipping and saying return to work. Mm -hmm. uh, and I've been reminded, uh, we've been working, Tom. Yeah, uh, right. So, it, and I've tried to be very deliberate about how I, intentional, how I say return mm -hmm. to campus uh, rather than return return to work. But, we, you know, we thought it would be it would be helpful to kind of delve into this topic today because it is so relevant for so many. 
And uh, I think it might be useful for us to talk a little bit about uh, our experience at UCF, um, touch on those of others, especially those that I kind of uh, learned about through the through the mm-hmm. UPSIA panel. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, we're, we're not trying to convince anybody of a mm-hmm. particular viewpoint on all this uh, all remote, all in-person mm-hmm. hybrid work continuum. In fact, uh, you name it, there's somebody doing it at UCF. <laughs> <That's> true. <laughs> Whether it's all back or it's yeah. all remote yeah. and something in the middle, somebody's doing So even at one institution, as, as large as we are, you might imagine, you know, there's some complexity in idiosyncratic, idiosyncratic practices. But um, even in one institution that has a policy, um, mm-hmm. there's, there's wildly divergent uh, practices. So instead, we're kind of advocating for this idea of let's see how it goes. Let's collect mm-hmm, the data. Mm-hmm. Uh, what we specifically are doing within the Division of Digital Learning here is a pilot. Mm-hmm. And it's going to run through the uh, calendar year of 2021. And we are going to assess it. And we're going to evaluate. We're going to treat it like we do any other sort of empirical analysis mm-hmm. that we do here. So, um, you know, let's, uh, let's be sort of explicit about why we're doing what we're doing with the on-site yeah. or remote or hybrid or blended or whatever work environment label you want to put on it. We'll collect the data, we'll review it and evaluate it accordingly, and then we'll decide based on the data what we're going to do next. Yeah, that's good. I, I, I think that's a really healthy thing, right? I mean, <laughs> we, we're institutions of higher education. We aspire to be <laughs> places where we're rational and we, we look at at evidence and uh, you know that we should apply that here yeah let's yeah what do we eat our own dog food or whatever they say yes something something like, something that. like that so you want to talk a little bit about what this upsia panel was and how it came to be yes um, and uh, as part of the the Chief Online Learning Officers Roundtable that the UPSIA has, which I participate in. Um, it's it's something that I've brought up a couple of times, but I, I am pretty sure I'm not the only one who uh, has brought it up. But I did suggest it um, as a as a topic. Um, others probably did too. So it resonated enough that uh, UPSIA thought it might be a good. Uh, conversation with colleague, we we don't have a link to send you to of a recording. There is there is a link of the materials um, that that's available, but um, th- they typically don't record those sessions on purpose so that people feel free to actually have a an honest conversation with their peers uh, that's not inhibited by uh, potentially saying something that they don't want repeated back, you know, to their yeah you know, staff. Uh, colleagues, bosses, wives, husbands, whatever. (laughs) So it was not recorded. Um, But it was a great conversation. And and if anything, it it did sort of validate for me that um, so many of us are just trying to grapple with this. And we're getting similar sorts of input from our teams that, um, that, that there are really mixed feelings about coming back to the office. Uh, return to campus. Um, mm-hmm. So the the primary kind of like visual aid for that uh, for that panel was something that was developed uh, primarily by uh, Kansas State University under uh, Karen Peterson. And um, there was input from from several of us on the on the panel that uh, 
that provided some feedback and input. And so I, I think if it's cited where all our names are on it and sort of mm -hmm. as, a, as a CC by kind of, mm -hmm. um, kind of attribution. But anyway. And we'll stick that in the, in the show notes. Yeah, it's worth it. Uh, and then there's a, there was an uh, article that Josh Kim wrote for Inside Higher Ed that, that references it. And Josh was on the panel. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so um, <laughs> he had an inside uh, view of the, of the whole conversation as well. Um, but I think it's worth maybe even if you have, if you want to pause and open that mm -hmm. visual aid while we're talking, it, it's worthwhile. I, I found that graphic enormously helpful in mm -hmm. sort of framing in my mind how these things work. Yeah. So it, it goes on a kind of a spectrum from traditional on campus, everybody back in the office, all the way to 100% remote with no space at all in the office. And then there are a couple of gradations in the middle that that talk about different kinds of implementations and different flavors that are more or less remote, depending. And some of them include the option of staff to, to come back and work in the office partially. Some of them are where you have some people remote and some people in the office. And one of them is where like everybody's remote, but you still maintain like an office space where people can kind of convene and meet, um, uh, but, but nobody works there 100% of the time. It, it was a really interesting and useful illustration of the various options. And, and funny, I think, I don't think any of us fit 100% into any of the boxes. Right, we all sort right, of right. fell in the gaps yep, <laughs> between right. them. Or if you overlap them, it's like, well, yeah. you know, we're like three quarters this one and one quarter that one or something. But yeah, it's it's a really useful construct for, for uh, understanding, communicating, and potentially planning. Yeah, I got the impression. I know that uh, we talked about this while you were prepping before the, the panel and you shared uh, a version of the visual with me. I think it changed over time uh, a little bit and it got more refined. But I think one of the things that was lost on me at first, and again, we'll direct our listeners to, to go find that, that visual, but the, there's this sort of this, this visual representation of a physical building and it was lost on me the first time until you pointed it out that the building gets smaller as you work your way from the 100% in-person traditional to the, you know, 100% remote where there is no building anymore, right? And it just right. slowly, it slowly uh, shrinks. And um, I, did, I did not notice it the first time that it also, these little um, uh, colored sections that indicate not dedicated workspaces, but flexible workspaces start popping up more within the dwindling building. That was a, a very interesting use of the visual medium to get a lot of complex ideas across, I thought. Yeah, I agree. And and so here's an example of how like the the model, the way those are defined, as useful as they are, they're, they're limited. Yeah. So uh, Kim Siegenthaler, who runs online learning at Georgia State University, who was also on this panel, Kim was telling us that so it's not so much that the building is shrinking for her as mm -hmm. she implements a hybrid work environment. Over the past year or so, as she's been hired at Georgia State to try to you know, establish and grow their online learning program, she's had to hire. And she's hired during the pandemic where people have been mostly remote. So now people are gonna be coming back to the same physical footprint. Mm -hmm. and she's got more people than can fit. Yeah. So she's going to have to use a hybrid work environment, not to shrink her space, but to grow her staff with the existing footprint that she has. Mm -hmm. And I think that's an interesting use case as well. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, Karen Peterson, uh, who who was sort of the main one who helped actually, you know, build that graphic, um, she's been given permission by Kansas State to be the 100% remote pilot for the university. And they're, they're maintaining, I think, a thousand square feet on campus for, for landing pad and meeting mm-hmm. space, uh, mm-hmm. but that's it. Uh, everybody's mm-hmm. gonna be remote. So that's a, that's a completely different part of the, of the mm-hmm. graphic, of the spectrum. Yeah, one of the things that's in kind of the fine print as you go is, is um, little things like, uh, no matter what the predominant approach is at each phase, that there might be some team members who are fully remote, even within like some kind of proportion of folks who are in person or hybrid, that there might be some folks who are 100% remote. That's a nuance that, you know, uh, was lost on me at first. I, w- I would have placed our UCF Division of Digital Learning pilot plan in what the graphic calls hybrid model one, probably, if it wasn't for that stipulation. Because right now we're not pursuing 100% remote work for anybody. That that's true. I, I and that's I think that's if we fall mostly in any of those boxes, it's in that hybrid model one box. Mm-hmm. But I, I think we bleed into some other into the yeah. one next to it a little bit. Yeah. Um, and, and you're right. And maybe this is a good a good segue to talk about like what we're doing a little bit. If if anybody finds that sort of useful, um, we are implementing a hybrid work environment where. Staff is partially in the office uh, a couple days a week and partially out of the office a couple days a week. Um, however, and so the idea is that nobody's 100% remote, but we have some exceptions. Mm. We have um, some health-related exceptions, specifically mm. sure. around the, the pandemic. And, mm. um, you know, we're, obviously we're accommodating those exceptions mm-hmm. and uh, we're going to make it work. So mm-hmm. even though it's not really part of our plan and it's not right. part of of our default kind of like what people are quote unquote allowed to do mm-hmm. um, we're, we're able to provide an accommodation as on an exception basis for almost any of those boxes in that yeah. in that yeah. chart yeah right I think another thing that we've talked about here a little bit that um, I don't think also is really completely captured in the remote work continuum graphic is uh, something you said when we had a little retreat um, teasing out the details of, of our uh, pilot here at the Division of Digital Learning, and that is when we're working on plans, they are the default plans, right? Uh, and just like you mentioned that we have some exceptions uh, related to health issues or whatnot, there might also be uh, more occasional exceptions where you might authorize uh, a team member to uh, work remotely for a day or two on a particular project. You know, the reality is we were probably doing that kind of thing pre-pandemic, right? It's not the kind of thing that you fill out a a work agreement for because it's not like a, a regular week in and week out kind of thing. It's a it's a special circumstance. But you know, when you when you get so hyper focused on this, uh, like I know some team members were saying, well, how can I request to do an occasional? <laughs> well, you don't, right? right? right. Not in it, the official it, paperwork. You we ask were that doing as a special all of that before. This, yes. That's not new. It's like that's if you right. needed to be home because you're you had to pick up your kid that day or, or if you you know had sure. the cable guy come in or something right, then right, right, you work right, from right. home we've always yeah. 
you mm-hmm. know, accommodated mm-hmm. that. So, yeah, I think a lot of people are sort of overthinking it yes. naturally because everything yes. is sort of changed and now there's official stuff around it. But you're right. Those sort of ad hoc uh, as you go along, that's just that's just the, it's just stuff. That's just stuff. That's just life and work, and that's you figure right. that out. And then, yeah. Um, so maybe it's worthwhile just talking at a very high level about uh, kind of what we're doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so as as I may have mentioned in previous maybe episode eighty five, I don't remember. We had a uh, task force that we stood up here within our division mm-hmm. to look at the future of hybrid work within the division of digital learning. And we, we have broad representation from across the entire division. And they spent a semester, the whole spring semester, basically working on this. And the charge I gave them was, I want recommendations on, on what we should do and uh, how, how we can best implement that. And I got that. <clears throat> and it was, you know, it was a lot of work everybody put into it. And, and basically they said that we, we should have a, a period of transition prior to coming back, that people can sort of ease into it. And then when we come back, we should allow up to three days per week out of the office uh, to work remotely. Um, obviously, you could work up to five days in the office if you want. But uh, if you if you didn't want that, you, you had to work at least two days in the office. So I said, okay, and um, and we're, we're going to implement that. And the minute that I uh, that I said that, uh, I think it was the, a day later or two days it, later. It, was, but it, was actually, it, it seemed was a, like a minute. Later. It was a Saturday <laughs> afternoon when I sent the "Here's our plan," um, and then it was Monday when the president <laughs> sent out "Here's what we're going to do for the university." And obviously, it did not match what I said we were going to do. You can't make this stuff up. No, and, and we were we were waiting intentionally. Uh, or we were not waiting, I should say, intentionally, because we weren't really getting a lot of signals from the university sure. that something yeah. was imminent. Um, so it, it caught all of us a little bit by surprise. And I, and even I'll consider myself sort of on the senior leadership team. Uh, all of us didn't know it was coming either. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> so anyway, um, I, to the to the provost credit, when I asked him, all right, do I need to walk any of this back so I'm, I'm in <laughs> compliance with the, the rest of the university? He said no. Um, to, to go ahead and move forward. Uh, and, and of course, I did say, we're, as we alluded to at the beginning of this episode, we're going to do this as a pilot. We're yeah. going to assess it. We're, we're not right. going to prejudge it. We, you know, we have good faith and good intentions, and we're going to do the best we can to make it work, but we're going to see uh, if it does work. And if it doesn't, we'll we'll take a step back and, and we'll course correct. So we're going to spend, we, we are going to have a little bit of a transition period through the middle of August where people work one day a week in the office. And then after that, we're going to implement the recommendations of the task force. And that'll run through the calendar year. And we will then assess uh, and adjust going forward into the spring. But then there will be all sorts of, and we don't need to go into details of this, but sort of downstream consequences of that, such as mm-hmm. lease footprint and mm-hmm. assigned space within the building. And, you know, if, if you're mm-hmm. out of the office more than you're in, is it fair to keep an assigned space uh, as opposed to somebody who's in more than they're out? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I don't, all of those things are questions to be answered, but we're not going to address any of them until the pilot uh, is concluded sure. and we have some data. Sure. So I just want to underscore a couple things there, right? So semester-long task force, talking this through, making recommendations, which the leads share with you. You have some dialogue back and forth. You essentially endorse um, those pretty much as is, I think. 
we have a like a day-long retreat with all the supervisory folks within the entire division talking about kind of socializing and talking through the the implications of all of this and then coming off of that we stand up an implementation committee to work out the fine-grained details uh, there's a lot of paperwork it's not our paperwork it's the university's paperwork and I just want to say summarize that by saying it's not easy <laughs> to do right. this. The easiest right. thing probably would be to say, everybody come back or everybody stay away. But to work out something in between, there's a lot of moving parts to that. Yeah, and then it, it turned out that I think our plan was um, a lot more transitional than what the university ended up implementing uh, broadly yeah. as sort of default policy, which was, Y'all come back <laughs> now, uh, yeah, you know, on, right. on June 23rd, which was yeah. sort of the start of our fall, or sorry, our summer B mm -hmm, semester. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And um, and the, the expectation is you're here five days a week like you were before. Uh, yeah. There was some defined provisions for working one or two days remotely without getting sort of vice presidential approval. Uh, but that was uh, that was a process. And then, of course, we had to go through the exception process uh, that the provost has approved mm -hmm. um, so that we could do what we were planning. So it's not like we're, we're living uh, in some sort of weird, uh, you know, rebel zone <laughs> that, that is, is uh, like we're secretly <laughs> not following the university's rules. We filled out all the right paperwork for Dang these it, exceptions. We should maybe not have said all this in the public podcast then, if that was the case. <laughs> yeah. That's true. This is all yeah. known. It's all known, and we've filled out all the forms, and the and the yeah. vice, my appropriate vice president, who's my boss, has signed them. So you know, there's a lot of forms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But so it's all kosher, and we're good. Um, but that that's so that's our experience, right? That's just one, and we are in the midst of it right now. It's not like we are going to um, have an answer by the time this podcast is released. Uh, it'll it'll be months mm -hmm. before we sort of have any sort of results. Yeah. I just want to underscore again, all I'm doing is underscore. I think the brilliance of this, right, and this isn't just your thing, so I'm not, you know, just, you know, blowing smoke or anything. I think the, the smart thing from the task force was this emphasis on transition. And I think we're, we're seeing that play out, like, within the last two weeks, right? Within the last two weeks as we're recording this, we have team members who are setting foot into this building showing up one day a work one day a week to work and i've personally spoken to people who say this is so weird to see other people who are not my partner mm. because i've been at home for the last 16 months or whatever so the emphasis on transition i think was exceptionally wise and so so important right and i think um that gets to some principles that we've been talking about a lot um, in our work, um, a key one being lead with empathy, right? Recognize the whole spectrum of where people are in terms of their comfortability with coming back in and health concerns and everything else, but being 360 empathetic is the top of that list, I think. Yeah, yeah, uh, and, and I agree, and it's, and it's something I think all of us in leadership here try to s strive to do, um, is to be empathetic and to try to you know understand where, where people are, because everybody's at a different place right now, sort of coming out of the pandemic. Yeah. Um, but, but it also means that, that, but it also means we still have to 
uh, uh, make sure we, we comply with university expectations and yes. keep pushing the ball forward. And so uh, I, I think you can be empathetic, um, but, but still try to bring everybody along. Mm-hmm. Well, and part of bringing everybody along is being extremely clear, transparent uh, for yourself, right? And with the entire team, everybody around you, and even your stakeholders about why you're adopting the approach. No matter what that approach is that you're adopting, why you're adopting the approach that you're taking. That's, I think, really, really key. Like, and, and again, I told you, you know, a month or so ago, I think like a visual like this remote work continuum, I think is really helpful in like talking about these issues and saying, we're at this point of the continuum, or notice how the building, tra- or whatever it is, you know, here's the issues, because you can look at it more holistic than just, you know, an individual's personal experience. Yeah, and, and also to, to make it, I think, you know, to use your word, make it clear that, um, so that, that graphic that, that Kansas State put out for that panel, it, it's not a, a journey. It's not like right, there's an right. end state where we right, must be right. 100% remote. Right. Um, and I'm not saying anybody interpreted it that way, but I have kind of experienced this in my conversations with the staff and with some folks on the task force who were sort of like, all right, so this is like where we're starting, um, but you know, we're, we're going to continue to get more and more remote <laughs> as time goes on, right, Tom? And I, I don't know, maybe, but maybe not. You know, maybe, maybe this is the model uh, or... Maybe we get more face to face, depending upon what the data say. So, I'm I've what I told them was like I have an open mind about it. I, I don't have any preconceived notions, but I don't think we have some sort of arbitrary end state of of remoteness that is the answer. There, right. I keep saying that online. Uh, uh, if we can compare this to anything in our in our experience as online professionals, it's blended learning. Yep. We know blended learning yep. has the best outcomes and yep. has the highest uh, student evaluations and the lowest withdrawal rates. Yep. And and if we can uh, extrapolate from that, then then let's presume that a blended work environment also will have you yep. know better outcomes than either fully remote right. or fully face to face. And 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 let's strive to accomplish that. But also similarly, <laughs> blended learning is kind of the hardest to get right. Uh, And I think that's going to be true of this uh, blended or hybrid uh, work state as well. There's a lot of moving parts. We're already seeing that. And and then I think, you know, like you said, there's no predetermined outcome. There's also, I think, a a principle that I think we've been practicing is is be flexible, right? And be willing to change if the data support it. Um, You know, just kind of be be open minded and 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 things might <laughs> might cause us to change midstream if if something's not working, you know. Sure, and I, I chuckle because um, I, I've, I, you're aware of this, but listeners may not be. I've been on a journey. You, uh, yeah, while the while the the remote work uh, not remote work thing might not be a journey, you personally, Tom, I have personally been on a have journey. Been on a journey, <laughs> yeah, about this because I, I was very much sort of biased towards mm-hmm. the the face-to-face work environment. Mm-hmm. And um, and that and that's not because it wasn't a trust issue of the staff mm-hmm. or anything. It was just because of the culture that we have here and the way it worked. And I thought, let's not mess it up, right? We've got an awesome culture. We're super innovative. And it worked before it, while we were face-to-face. And um, I've evolved 
I, you know, certainly I've seen our team step up uh, during the pandemic as a remote team, and and we've done some amazing things while while everybody was kind of distributed. Um, and look, if I put my my sort of supervisor hat on, it's just a, a pragmatic reality that uh, that there are jobs now that are available to people mm -hmm. that are 100% remote yeah. that are going to be some siren song and if we have any hope of of having a defense against mm -hmm. that uh, we're going to have to be flexible to use your word we're going to have to be we're going to have to bend so we don't break mm -hmm. so uh, i i have um I've also come around, you know, due to all of these factors, yeah, kind right. of in, in the soup that is my brain, uh, <laughs> all of the ingredients floating around in there, that's a scary place, um, that, that it's, it's brought me, uh, I think, uh, a long way. Uh, I've, I've come a long way compared to where I was two years ago, if you had yeah. asked me what I think about this. That's right. And, um, and, and that's probably for the good. And, and I, hope, uh, I hope others are at least willing to, to you know, be objective about themselves and, and step back and say, all right, I don't want my personal biases to get in the way of actually doing the right thing. Yeah, and I think to that point, right, I, I think as we start to, to wrap up here, I think if there's any admonition, I think this is true of both of us, I think if there's any admonition that we would uh, offer our listeners, it is be evidence-based, right? How will you know whether, what, whatever approach you're taking, how will you know whether that approach is successful or not? You know what are what are the data? What is what are the sources of evidence that you're going to um, hold to? What's going to be sufficient for you? How are you going to go about collecting those data? Uh, all that whole thing. And then I think um, you've been good about this, um, and so has the task force. You know, staying very um, open in dialogue and and not just kind of you know the door is shut, we're done. But you know keep massaging it and talking about it and you're not done. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm having, as you know, uh, open forum town halls uh, every other week for a half an hour just on yep. this subject, just um, on the subject. <laughs> to, uh, to just say, hey, how's it going? What have you learned? What, what do we need to change? Let me know. Um, and, you know, so far those seem to be well received. We haven't done a lot of them, but... Um, the, the good news is the kinds of things that are coming up are related more to the fact that we're in a new building for everybody, <laughs> even though you and I have been in here for a year. Mm -hmm. um, other people uh, are coming in for the very first time and it's sort of like, oh, well, gee, that light doesn't work. Those are the kinds yep. of things that are That's popping right. up. And I'm like, okay, if those are the problems we have, I'll take <laughs> it. Because, you know, That's we can right. get a bulb. <laughs> That's right. But, you know, maybe a, a place to, to, to um, kind of seal this off is a, is a comment that emerged during our supervisory retreat on return to campus work. And it was in a small group in which I was participating. I didn't make this comment, although I, I, I do find it to be um, uh, insightful and prescient, right? Like if, if we as digital learning people can't figure out how to make this work, who can? Yeah, and I thought. Yeah. Yep. Well said. Yeah. That's no pressure. pressure. <laughs> that's, that's right. Yeah. Well, no, that's true. That's true. Yeah, I agree. So I don't know. Maybe that's a maybe that's a good point to to kind of uh, zero in on the bottom line. Well, you want to try to land this plane for us? Let's do that. So uh, as as online education professionals, as as you just kind of 
referred to us. Many others in higher education will be looking at us to lead the way in demonstrating how to find the appropriate balance of in-person and remote work post-pandemic. We, we've done it for blended learning. Let's see if we can figure it out for, for blended work. And, and if we can't figure it out, who can? Well said. Yeah, I, I agreed. Well, as always, Tom, thanks for a, an insightful, stimulating conversation. And, and dear listeners, we hope that your synapses were firing as well. And let us know what you think about where, where you are with this whole set of topics. Shoot us a note at uh, topcast at ucf.edu. And until next time, for Topcast, I'm Kelvin. And I'm Tom. See ya.